welcome to more to come. P.W. Comic World's weekly podcast on comics and graphic novel publishing. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and Co-Editor of P.W. Comics World. Check us out online at publishersweekly.com slash comics. All right. Well, this week on More to Come, I have the great pleasure to uh, be interviewing uh, Dan DiDio, uh, co-publisher, along with uh, Jim Lee, who's on the way uh, to talk with us also. Um, uh, We're talking with him from out in California. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for being on More to Come. I appreciate it. Appreciate the invitation. So, um, uh, I, I just got a, you know, a bunch of questions I just want to ask you. Uh, I'm, I want to start out, though, maybe getting some, uh, just some general reactions about DC Comics and the book trade. And then, I, then I'd love to go on to talk more specifically about some of the things, I mean, some of the things you announced at the New York Comic Con. But, sure. um, uh, it just, I mean, um, I, I, you know, I'd, I'd love to just hear you articulate. I mean, in this new age of, of, uh, I mean, a transformation going on. I think in the U.S. comics market that's offering more kinds of uh, and more variety to readers, uh, both through the through the through the comic shop market, the direct market, and through the book trade. How uh, how does DC Comics uh, approach the book trade, and how do you see it in, in, in the future of DC uh, DC Comics? You know, I mean, DC Comics has always um, had a real interest in the book trade and, and a real focus on that market. I mean, that's the one area um, that I've seen the most growth in since my arrival at DC. You got to got to remember, I'm here now about 15 years, mm-hmm. and I've watched the the, the, the pendulum shift. You know, I, I saw that moment where we had that tipping point where it was 50-50 regards to our our sales between graphic novels and. Uh, and periodicals, and I've seen this continual and steady growth within the bookstore market. Um, it doesn't detract anything from what we have in the direct market. It's mm-hmm. still as healthy as it's always been. I mean, but it's always had more of a sense of finite dollars. And wherever you see the, the, the largest growth or the largest opportunity always seems to come from what we're able to do and push out into the mass market through the bookstores. Mm. I mean, one of the things that um, uh, obviously that has been uh, very impressive uh, in recent publishing history at DC has been, uh, you know, the re- rebirth, you know, uh, I don't know how you describe it, revamp, reunify, I mean, it sort of brings together so much of uh, DC's uh, recent storytelling and, and earlier storytelling. And it's been very popular with the fans. And you did a uh, uh, you did a release of the the, the trade book co- collections. How how did they do? You know, it, it's it's. I always love when people say this because it, it seems like we were coming out of some sort of deep dark slump when we did Rebirth, which wasn't the case at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rebirth was really a refocusing of the line and just reintroducing some ideals and sensibilities that the, our our really core strong fan base felt were lacking, and it re-energized them in a way that we felt was. Um, uh, really just uh, invigorating for ourselves and for our talent. Um, interestingly enough, though, when we did launch New 52, uh, that made, if we're, we're talking about books in particular, the collections from New 52 in particular were stronger than we've ever seen before. And quite honestly, while we're having success in Rebirth, the New 52 trades, when they first hit, actually hit stronger and uh, and more lasting than what we've seen with Rebirth. But not to detract from what Rebirth is, mm-hmm. the Rebirth trade sales are, are going very good for us. They're very healthy. Um, but honestly, the New 52 trades were, were uh, so 
little better. <laughs> no, no, was very interesting. I mean, can do you? Is there a reason or not? I, I'll tell you one thing. As I mean, I'm an older guy. I mean, I'm sort of a uh, uh, an old DC fan, uh, and and you know, sometimes I struggle a little bit with the new continuities, but I still I still find it fascinating in the stories. And uh, you know, they were kind of an entry to me. I mean, as I recall from the New Fifty Two, you kind of started things over a little bit, and for you know, older superhero fans like myself, it, they kind of gave me a way back into some of the uh, series. Do yeah. you think that had something to do with it? I, I think so too. I mean, the, you know, the, what happened with New, what, what happened with New Fifty Two is you really got that sense of starting point on the ground floor, and I think that's one of the things that for new fans it felt like they were, they had an entry spot into the DC universe. For the older fans, they wanted to see what we changed and didn't change, and ultimately over a period of time. Um, we sort of got off message ourselves, and we at the start of New Fifty Two, we really put an inordinate amount of energy into really um, crafting new concepts and new ideas. And then, as we started getting deeper into the the time there, uh, we didn't put the same level of effort as the line went, and it 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 started to become Lita Fish nor Foul in its own way. Mm-hmm. So, what Rebirth did, it brought that focus back in, but also that sense of history. But speaking about focus coming back in, uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Jim Lee also just joined us hey. here too, Calvin. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing good. Thank you. Yeah, right, right. Well, just for fans who don't know, uh, not only is uh, Jim Lee a, a co-publisher there of DC Entertainment, but easily one of the most popular comics artists working today. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I'll take that. I'll butter you up a little bit, but it's all true. <laughs> and I guess it's easy to be an artist. That's what he's saying, right, Jim. Easily. <laughs> <laughs> right you two can do it kids yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well there you go set your sights high yes great so right yeah so uh, dan was talking a little bit about uh uh you know some of the things you're doing in the book trade i actually was giving me some information about uh um uh the new 52 and how those book collections work uh you know as the the rebirth trades uh, uh have reached the market yeah, that was, right. And I was going in about how New 52 trades seem to really be stronger, but the rebirth trades have been working well. And it's good to see this right now because, again, we've always got to constantly evolve and we always constantly got to refresh our line. So it's, it's kind of uh, – it, it's, it's, these are things that are just are a natural course of business. I think what you've seen the most, though, recently is how this process has been accelerated. You know, it used to be 10, 15 years when the you know people used to look at refreshing or refreshing the characters, and now it seems to be on a, a much quicker turn. But you know things move quicker quicker today, and so we got to make sure we keep up with the times. Yeah, you know that's a I mean that's a very interesting point. I mean um, I mean many of the, the the comics industry you know you know publishers like such yourself. I mean yeah that was a thing every every what ten fifteen years you needed to look at what you needed to revive. Um, I mean, to a certain extent, it seems as though these big events, uh, and you've got some to talk about, uh, seem to you have. To, I mean, do you feel that these have to be done to keep people interested, uh, to keep people um, uh, 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 not so much caring about the character, but 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 seeing what what else you can do with them? Yeah, I, yeah, I definitely think so. Uh, you know, there's just a lot, also a lot more competition out there for their time and attention. Uh, I mean, it, before it used to be sci-fi movies, fantasy movies, video games, but now it's content that actually showcases our characters. So it's not just that it's competing genres or competing uh, media uh, in the same sort of space, but it's actually our characters. Uh, so if you want your 
your Flash storyline fix, you can watch the TV show. So mm -hmm. I think uh, to stay competitive, we have to, uh, you know, constantly keep upping the ante, uh, coming up with uh, more epic events on a more regular, consistent basis. And I think that's something that's happened in the past mm -hmm. five to ten years. I mean, you know, big epic events seem to be every now and then, and now you can count on at least one or two every single year. And yeah. I think uh, the trick with that is you just have to have great talent to be able to pull that off and not leave uh, readers with sort of an empty oh, you just did this to, to hype the characters kind of uh, sensation. Mm. So at the end of the day, you want to have great stories and, and have meaningful consequences and, and keep driving the universe forward. Um, you know, that's interesting. Um, I'm going to jump, because uh, I uh, uh, sort of jumped to the movie side, because uh, I'm just curious. Um, I mean, back when I first started writing about, you know, the comics industry, I mean, the, the conventional wisdom was that, well, that the movies didn't seem to push sales of the periodical comics. Whereas in the book industry, obviously, uh, you know, a big movie that's tied to a property almost always pushes sales. So obviously, you've got a uh, you've got a big movie coming up, the Justice League movie. Um, are, are there things you can do on uh, uh, to connect it, or are doing to connect it both to the, the the periodical sales in the direct market and, of course, the book trade as well? Yeah, I mean, what we try to do is we try to stay focused on the books uh, where the movie seems most. Um, inspired from uh we always find that the closer the film is to the the source material to the comics yeah. the better the, the sales on the on the graphic novels associated with it i mean look i could talk about dc but the perfect example of that is walking dead uh you sure. can see the image sales on walking dead and how much they sell in conjunction with the when the series is on the air when the off the series is off the air um we can only hope for a fraction of that in some ways because it was that's a massive hit for them but for us we saw it with watchmen with the yes. watchmen trailer leading into the film uh last year we saw a lot of success with batman and superman material and with suicide squad and with holly quinn conjunction with those films and we saw some lift with wonder woman and we're seeing some with the, with justice league right now mm -hmm. um uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about, this came out of uh, uh, an interesting presentation at the, the ICV2, um, uh, you know, uh, insider sessions at New York Comic Con. And Christine McLean from, uh, you know, from BookScan, I mean, she was outlining, I mean, she's talking specifically about the book trade, but, you know, but she was very clear about really making, talking about studying both, you know, uh, a range of retail channels uh yeah, including yeah, the direct market yeah we're familiar with that article and and her quote yeah so, and she talked about an emerging new demographic and i mean i think this is something that everybody's talking about as far as uh a changing comics marketplace uh you know women young people and new consumers looking for uh, uh comics in a variety of places so i'm curious um uh i mean you've got imprints like uh, young animal uh, uh, I think vertigo's 25th anniversary is coming up if I'm not mistaken uh, are these uh, are you sitting down and thinking about how DC is going to address these channels and and this new demographic going forward uh, for sure I mean our whole young reader program that we've been uh kind of talking around yeah, in circles. I'd love to hear uh, more about we have, that. <laughs> we have not officially announced it, but obviously we posted job listings for yeah. it. You know, so it, it, it's, 
and it has been kind of discussed here and there. All I can say is, is that we're looking at the full spectrum of readership. We, we realize that we have this incredible opportunity. The awareness of our characters and our content, um, our IP is at an all-time high, given all the uh, different movies and TV shows and games. Um, and, and, you know, we're very cognizant of this emerging or different uh, audience that, that, that you're, you're speaking of. Um, we've seen the sales. We've, we've seen... Um, you know, just even uh, anecdotally at conventions, uh, the the diversity in our readership. So um, yes, there are there are programs afoot, uh, and I think what what's interesting about the 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 panel you, you spoke of is that it's not something you could just dive into easily. You have yeah. to recognize that it is a different marketplace. It has its own <clears throat> sort of rules and 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 rhythms, and uh, you have to. Go all in if you're going to approach this uh, as as a legitimate new business strategy, and uh, and that's what we've been doing. It, it, it takes some considerable amount of time and energy, infrastructure, new hires. You're going to end up hiring new new a new talent pool essentially, uh, seeking to to gain this new readership. So I think it's uh, it's all really exciting for our business, though, and I think there there it represents a huge opportunity for us, and and we're very well aware of it. Great. Um, uh, how superhero girls doing? Uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that that we feel so confident moving into this space, or, or in our plans and in moving into this space. In that DC superhero girls has been a consistent, uh, great bestseller for us. Um, the first volume has sold over a hundred thousand units at this point. Wow! And uh, it's actually been one of the more successful elements of that entire program. And that's the graphic novel because there's also prose, uh, a prose series as well. Excuse me. Is there a prose series also, as in addition to the graphic novel series? Am I? Uh, I think there's webisodes and the Lego ah. toys and and the Mattel toys. Oh, okay. All right. I'm, I I I uh, presumed wrong. There, there are prose series, but I don't think of the DC superhero. But not, oh, okay. All right. There, there, my mistake. Like, is that the Lisa Yee stuff? The Lisa Yee? Isn't the Lisa the, the Yee did a DC Superhero Ghost Pros? Oh, did she? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I think those are the ones that I'm Yeah, yeah. That's, I, that, I just thought that there was a pros too, and I assume. Right. It, yeah. Uh, well, I know that there's the young adult pros line, so maybe I'm confusing the two, but there was uh, Lois Lane. Um, yeah, Lois. that's, you know, that, exactly. It's interesting because when you talk about that to us, uh, that's actually handed out, handled out of a different division from sure. from Warner Brothers. So when we were we're talking about it, we're just familiar with it because uh, they inform us of what's going on with the okay. characters, but we don't have a hands-on involvement uh, nearly to the level we might have had in the past. Right uh, yeah. on the all pro stuff. So yeah, we're focused on the graphic novel content, and uh, it's done extremely well for us. So uh, that that's what's uh, kind of been our north star in this is that yes, that there is this cool opportunity, and we've just sort of scratched the surface of it. Great. Uh, okay, well, now, you know, I, I, I'm going to jump into some of the stuff you were uh, talking about and announcing at, at New York Comic Con. And um, and I have to immediately jump to I'd love to hear you t uh, talk a little bit about uh, the, the the relaunch uh, of the Milestone Media <laughs> me media line. I know you had Derek Dingle and Dennis Cowan there. Um, and uh, I, I'd love to hear you talk a little bit about that when we can expect to see the first uh, titles and. Uh, and and Jim, you're doing, you're, you're gonna you're gonna be doing one of them if I'm not mistaken. 
I'm doing uh, short stories with with mm-hmm. Reggie. Uh, cool. That are part of uh, one of the books. Alice Randall's there as well. Yes, um, that's an interesting. Kyle part. Baker was there. I'm trying to remember. Uh, Ken Lashley. I think that was the entire panel. Um, and uh, yeah, look, um, it w- we're celebrating the 25th anniversary of Milestone, the initial launch of it, mm-hmm. and we're bringing it back. We're reinvigorating, re- reviving the characters, but seating it in a different way. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's basically going to take up one of the alternate dimensions within the multiverse. It'll be called Earth M. Uh-huh. And um, it will feature a lot of the classic Milestone characters like Icon, Rocket, Static that people mm-hmm. know and love. Uh, longtime Milestone fans know and love. But we're also introducing a. Oh, Greg Pak was also. Pak yes. was also. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're also bringing back a lot of. Uh, we're bringing, introducing a lot of new characters, excuse me, uh, and, and Greg uh, is working on one called Duo, and uh, there's a character called Amber, Love Army, and uh, so the whole idea is to um, bring back the favorites, but also introduce some, some new concepts as well to keep it kind of fresh and contemporary, and we're targeting spring of next year. Okay. So uh, really... the. You know, given the the number of years we've been working on it, we we realize that we want this to all come come out like clockwork, and we want it to be the best representation of what we see Earthm to be. So, um, uh, at this point, I believe it's four or five titles as part of that initial launch that'll mm-hmm. roll out the the first couple mm-hmm. of years. Uh, can can you tell me anything more about? Uh, I mean, Alice Randall is, a, I think, an interesting choice to be uh, writing. I mean, she certainly came to people's attention um uh for writing the uh what the wind done gone that the controversial parody of the gone with the wind right right so yeah so reggie hovland has has really he's the newest sort of uh member of, of the milestone media group mm-hmm. and he has a ton of connections in entertainment given his past experiences as a director producer entertainment executive and so yeah he's friends with alice and and they had numerous conversations over, uh, you know, these characters and how she can be involved. And so uh, look, look to uh, and, and uh, there are others as well. But, you know, mm-hmm. we, sure. we, want to, we want to make sure that they're on board. And and, and the idea is that he's going to bring in um, uh, new voices to to uh, the comics community, um, people that are very successful outside the comics world to come in and um help uh launch this this uh this uh this new direction for for milestone what is kyle what's kyle baker going to be working on he's going to be working on static Uh so he's he's, uh writing and drawing it uh based off a um uh, a a concept slash synopsis um uh slash re-envisioning of the character by by reggie so Reggie has his hands in almost all the different projects, uh, working with the writers uh, to sort of flesh them out. And he's also writing um, the book, uh, which features Icon and Rocket. Okay. Um, and and, and, and uh, I was either reading somewhere that, uh, I mean, Milestone is not really going to be sort of integrated into the DC Entertainment Universe. Uh, it's going to kind of be its own thing. Well, a- Earth as an alternate dimension mm-hmm. uh, follows the rules that every other multiverse universe mm-hmm. has. So you you might see within this world uh, analogs or other DC uh, 
characters or familiar names and faces, but the focus really is on the milestone characters and the new Earth M concepts. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, well, let's jump to um, one of the other, I think, big announcements that you had during New York Comic Con, and that's um, the uh, the Jeff Johns, uh, Gary Frank. Um, um, I guess, I mean, if, correct me if I'm wrong, you, uh, it was uh, described as a sequel to Watchmen, Doomsday Clock. Um, uh, yeah. That's putting it on a, putting an arrow, putting a bullseye on it, but, but go on. I mean, well, it's as a sequel in the terms of that, the events of the stories take place following the events of the Watchmen series itself. I mean, this really is a project unto itself. And I mean, Jeff has spent an inordinate amount of time researching Watchmen and plus his, you know, and combining it with his incredibly de- depth of knowledge of the DC universe. And uh, this has been, a, has been a really fun and interesting project uh, to uh, to see take form and take shape. Uh, because these things naturally don't fit against each other, and that's what makes the story um, so interesting. Is you get to see uh, the differences between the Watchmen world and the DC universe, um, and how each of those worlds operate differently, and and the sensibilities they have, and just the the, the merging of the two shows you how unique each of those worlds are. And uh, I think Jeff's the perfect guy to be able to tell that story. Uh, and as Jeff says, Gary Frank is the only person that could draw this. I mean, just the. Um, just the sheer detail and scope of the storytelling has been spectacular. And we've been watching the pages come in each week and we ran out of uh, superlatives to, uh, to uh, describe them because they've all been just one beautiful page after another. Well, I, I've seen the preview, you know, uh, there's some preview places, uh, pages floating around and they look great. Um, uh, I, 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 and I also, there was a very interesting, I saw there were some, uh, some, uh, videos of, uh, of, uh, Jeff talking about different things, the elements in it, um, uh, kind of giving us some, um, uh, some clues about where it's heading. I mean, the, uh, uh with the artwork. And so it looks very, it looks very inviting. I mean, obviously, uh, Watchmen is one of the signature works of comics literature, and um, you can't help but be uh, uh, to pay attention to it. And, and it's interesting becoming because you you did do the um, the series, the before Watchmen series. I mean, can you can can yeah. you tell me a little bit about the difference between uh, the two? Yeah, I mean, when we did before Watchmen, it was really those were prequel books. So mm-hmm. what we were doing is we were looking at the Watchmen book as source material and trying to f- identify elements that we can expand out in stories that would have taken place prior to the events of Watchmen itself. Therefore, we weren't really trying to to um, really just take the story and move it forward, uh, but really more so just to uh, expand on some of the ideas and concepts that were already pre. Uh, Pre-developed by by Alan and Dave when they when they did the original Watchmen, uh, and what we did is we brought a, a much wider array of talent in, and everybody was able to bring their unique takes into it. Uh, we had Joe Straczynski, and we had Darwin Cook, Amanda Connor, uh, we had Len Wein working there, and we brought some really wonderful artists like with Andy Kubert and uh, and uh, yes. and Adam Hughes, and you know, and it was just it was just really just this fun project where we got a chance to explore and examine it. It really played, but it played fully completely within the Watchmen universe. And at that point, uh, we didn't we didn't feel the strength to go any further than doing that. But it was really clear that once Jeff had a story for a Doomsday Clock, and it really did really build on the on on what Watchmen was, and took themes from Watchmen and story beats from Watchmen and moved it forward. That we we felt that we had the right project, and but as we did before before Watchmen, there was multiple books with multiple series, and multiple talent. This one, you only have one book, 
uh, and one team executing the entire thing. Um, and you won't be seeing it crossing over with other titles in the DCU. You won't be seeing mm-hmm. spinoffs, one-shots. Uh, it is basically a 12-part story that is self-contained, mm-hmm. but will have an effect on the DCU upon its conclusion. Great. And when are we, when are we going to see the first issues? Uh, first issue comes out the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. All right. uh, you know, this is it's it's like it's like giving birth. This one, <laughs> I mean, we've been working on this All for right. so long, and uh, and the, the levels of anxiousness from the creators and ourselves is is palatable. Uh, but we're, and the and the main reason why we're most excited is that we just can't wait for people to see it and yeah. read it and judge it for themselves. You know, there's a lot of conversation that's taking place prior to this book coming out, but I think the at this point we feel confident to let the uh, the product speak for itself. Great. Uh, now you got a couple other series. I, did I just love to hear get some comments on you from? Um, uh, once again, as an older uh, DC um, fan, uh, I, you know I'm, I'm fascinated by these these new series because uh, and 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 just sort of how like rebirth and like as how you like stitch in. Um, you know, the older stuff in with, you know, new visions of it. So you've got Dark Knight Metals here, which seems to be yeah. uh, bringing in, uh, you know, parts of the DC uh, universe that maybe we've forgotten about. Yeah. And it, you know what's fun about the, the, the Dark Knight's Metal series is that it's it's they're having a lot of fun with all the trappings of the DCU. And I think one of the things that DC Comics has always been very strong with is just the expansion of, the, of our worlds and, and the interpretations of our characters and how far and crazy we can push them. And it was great to see Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo really take that core conceit of what's made DC great and really push it into new directions. And the Dark Knight uh, Metal series, um, it really does take that idea of, of just of all these different worlds and these different interpretations and just bring them together and collide them with our universe in a way that it's just 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 bonkers if you want to be clear well, you know i read a couple I mean? of the issues so i agree yeah i mean yeah i mean great you know, artwork yes uh, you know, on top it, of everything else you know i mean we sit there and scott comes in he goes okay i got baby dark side he's gonna do this and i'm like <laughs> yes. you got what doing what and he goes and he goes, goes trust me it's gonna be great and i'm like okay you know knock yourself out buddy and when the pages come in you go to god damn if he didn't may find a way to make it work I'm, I'm i'm pretty surprised by that but it's been a lot of fun as a reader for me to to see what's coming in from uh, from from the from these folks, and what's even more special, uh, the, it's the opposite of Doomsday Clock. Where Doomsday Clock is is a uh, is a story that is an event. We flip it this way, and this is an this is a. Uh, I'm sorry. The we flip it around, and this is just an event that feeds into multiple stories uh, with Madeline. You, you see all these one shots and all these different characters and all these different ideas and new concepts, and just that that's. That's what I get really excited because I just see the expansiveness of our universe and how it's how it's additive and and shows that we you know we still have new ideas and new concepts that we can push out from everything we've created. Great. Okay. Well, I I have been able to read some of the uh, the Dark Metal Knights, and uh, let me tell you, there's some crazy stuff uh, coming out of out of Dark Metal Knights. Um, we keep on saying the crazier the better. Yes, absolutely. And, and you mentioned one of them, Baby Dark Side. So yes. <laughs> Um, uh, well, let me get just a couple of more questions. Let me ask you, uh, uh, Age of Heroes. And I, I mean, I'm a little confused about this. It started out as one thing. I think you've re- rebranded it. Can you, uh, can, can you give our listeners a little bit uh, of a description about what, what Age of Heroes is going to be? Sure. As a matter of fact, because we're refocusing it right now as we speak, and we realized there was some confusion and, quite honestly, kind of got lost in the shuffle. Mm-hmm. With all the noise around metal and all the noise around Doomsday Clock, we had this initiative that we were pushing forward. 
And it, 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 there was like, there was no oxygen in the room for it. So one of the things we're doing right now is we're giving ourselves a little more breathing space. We were going to be launching these books in December. We're actually going to start in January so that we have a little better run up. Um, the material that's coming in is absolutely beautiful. And, and more importantly, what we realize and what you're hearing your confusion from is that we think that a lot of people see this as a, standing outside of the DCU, which mm -hmm which is the furthest thing from the truth. And one of the things we're going to be showing is the metal ties a lot more firmly. We're going to see these characters interacting with other DC characters in other books other than their own. And what we're going to do is to show that this is now a next step in creating new ideas and new concepts to help fill out the DC universe. I mean, when you have something like Rebirth, with Rebirth, you had us going back to the core conceits of the better-known characters, of the well-known characters, and returning to them to their core values so they're highly recognizable. It gives us little room to change them because ultimately we want them to stay true to who they are so you don't have that much latitude with those characters. But now with the new characters, we're adding that level of diversity and energy with new ideas and new concepts, similar to metal, that we think helps really expand the DCU. And what we've seen is that you'll see each of these characters have a strong or, or a peripheral tie to metal. Mm -hmm. um, you're gonna be, we're going to be bringing that out much more to the forefront. And then also you'll see how they interact with characters pretty much right off the bat with the rest of the DCU. So this is not something apart from it. Um, the way we wanted to push this, though, is on the strength of the talent. Mm -hmm. um, when you looked at a launch of things, something like an image line, it was built off the names of the talent, and they had new ideas, and they said, trust us, believe in us. You saw what we can do. Now see what we're, what we're going to do. And we want to take that same of, of um, enthusiasm – Mm -hmm. and, and and energy to these books. So we put some great people on them. Um, and I'm excited by it because yeah. ultimately I've, I have the first few issues in my hands. Can, can you say some names of, uh, of the creative team? Sure. I mean, realistically speaking, um, we've got, uh, we've got uh, Jim Leamy, James Tynan on The Immortal Men. We've got cool. um, uh, Tony Daniel and Robert Venditti on Damage. We've got Jeff Lemire and Ivan Rice and Doc mm -hmm. Shaner. On the terrifics, we've got. Um, I've got Kenneth Roford working with myself and, and uh, Justin Jordan. Right, on you're Cyber. writing some stuff too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah somebody, you know, it's, it's the only way I can get work is that I have to create a line of books. <laughs> John Romita Jr. <laughs> John Romita Jr. and Dan Abnett on Silencer. Oh, great! Yeah. Mm -hmm. So a lot, a lot, and Philip Tan and uh, Justin Jordan again on Brimstone and and also Scott Snyder and uh, Andy Kubert on uh, on Challengers. So this is going to be originally we were condensing it and now we're planning this to be much more of a year-long rollout of new product so we get a chance for every one of these characters and books to find its audience, give it a chance to breathe and hopefully be able to become a mainstay within the DCU. Great. All right. All right. Well, look, I just got um, I'm almost done here. Uh, I, I'd love to I, I'd love to, to hear uh, what what are the plans for Vertigo? How is the, the line going? Uh, do you have some new plans? Is it a is there is it an anniversary year coming up? Right. So uh, next year is our 25th anniversary celebration mm -hmm. of Vertigo. Uh, it, it will give us a moment to uh, sort of reflect and celebrate the past. But we're firmly focusing on the future. We've installed a new head of Vertigo. We've elevated uh, Mark Doyle up to executive editor of, uh, of, of the imprint. Cool, cool. He comes over from the Bat family, but he actually started his career at DC at, at Vertigo many uh -huh. years ago. He was responsible for bringing in Scott Snyder into the fold and to the mix, uh, so to speak. So he's got a keen eye for talent. 
He's got ex- very extensive uh, Rolodex, if people know what that is these days. Uh, uh, <laughs> You're dating yourself, and, there, Jim. Uh, yeah. And he's been lining up projects. So we're really <laughs> going to take a sort of a pop-up imprint um, approach to it, much like uh, to much like the success that we had with Young Animal. We have a couple of key creators that we are bringing in that will help sort of curate a, a sort of mini universe of, of books themselves. So you're going to have a mix of those plus uh, standalone uh, high concept uh, titles by um, some some very familiar names to Vertigo fans, but also new writers that haven't worked for Vertigo at all. So uh, our line in the sand really is August of 2018, which is the celebra- mm-hmm. the 25th celebration month. Awesome, great. Um... Well, look, um, you've answered a lot of questions here. Um, I think this is this is great. Look, I'm I'm gonna I'll let you go on that. But look, I really appreciate this. Um, uh, I think there's just a lot of interesting things, uh, exciting things going on at DC. So I'm glad you got uh, were able to come in and share it uh, with our listeners. So look, thanks both of you, Dan and Jim, uh, for being on More to Come. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you, Calvin. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Take care. Thanks, right, bye.